hey, what happens when you get a couple of cousins who start a podcast and then they get really interested in a subject? You get an audio book, right? Yeah, that's right. And if uh, if you hadn't noticed, we're a little bit obsessed with um, the story of Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr and how Aaron Burr went and like killed him and stuff. So, yeah. Sorry to mention the name, Jason. I know you hate it, but... You said it like twice. <laughs> I know. But we do have a brand new audiobook for you. It is called The Dueling Letters. And it's basically the account or the uh, a reading of the letters between Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr before their famous duel. And guess who reads it? Us. We do. <laughs> so... Head over to electioncollege.com slash dueling letters, and we spell dueling like we live in 2016. So D-U-E-L-I-N-G-L-E-T-T-E-R-S. If you check it out and you don't have Audible already, that's fine. You can sign up for a free trial and get our book for free. And uh, it's already cheap, but free is even better, right? So you can do that by going to electioncollege.com slash dueling letters. Hey guys, you may have noticed our sound quality in this episode as well as the last episode is not as good as normal, and that's because we were in Gettysburg, and uh, it's actually just my fault. I just uh, hit a wrong setting, and we get bad quality. So wanted to give you a heads up that this is not the way Election College is going to be from now on. It's just these two episodes. So in the future, we will be back to our normal sound quality, and we really appreciate you following along and still listening to us. And uh, we'll be back to the to the podcast you know shortly. Thanks. Election College, episode 113. On this episode of Election College, we are live, kind of, from Gettysburg. And we're going to talk about Daniel Sickles. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, right now, we're in the back of my van with the stow-and-go seats stowed, the back seats pushed down. We've got our own little recording studio set up, and we're talking about Daniel Sickles, but he wasn't a president. Yeah. Um, this morning when I woke up, I never had heard of the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and now I not only have heard of the guy, but he is right up there with another character that, well, I've grown to enjoy talking about just because it's so much fun to salacious yes (laughs) that is a good word so let's let's talk about this guy daniel edgar sickles and we actually are by the way in gettysburg so having a lot of fun seeing a lot of historical stuff uh for a side note if you'd like to hear more stuff that's not like just directly about presidential elections let us know uh we try to stick pretty close to that but hey we always like doing little one-offs here and there. Yeah, gang, it's one of those things where I have been moved emotionally just by visiting the battlefield today and some of the uh, artifacts that you see in the museum, some of the speeches that you've read. And, of course, when you come to Gettysburg, you're going to see a lot of Lincoln. You're going to see a lot of Gettysburg Address. 
but there are people who, um, well, their story is just fascinating. And, uh, this is a little more of the sinister side. Of yeah. The war. Salacious. Right. So Daniel Sickles, he's rich, basically. He's born into a wealthy family. He's a New Yorker, and um, he, he doesn't have a great history in his life. Uh, he's involved in all sorts of scandals and everything else, uh, but we'll get to those. He was born around 1825, but as we'll find out, he's not real trustworthy, so nobody really knows for sure exactly what year he was born. Yeah, if you can't trust the guy who you can't trust what he tells you what his birthday is, it's going to make for an interesting story. So one of the things that you need to know about Major General Sickles is that he was a member of the U.S. House of Representatives from New York. And the American Civil War breaks out in 1861. And he really gets a big name when it comes to the military because he starts recruiting regiments in New York. And the regiments that he put together became known as the Excelsior Brigade in the Army of the Potomac. And he did not have military experience. <laughs> he, he was purely a political general. He served as a brigade division and corps commander in some of the early eastern campaigns of the war. And um, his military career ended, well, just about 10 miles from where Ben and I are recording this podcast. Yeah, if not even that far, maybe. So uh, Sickles is a close ally of Major General Hooker, Joseph Hooker, which you may have heard his name before. Uh, hopefully you have if you're at all a Civil War guy, or gal, I suppose I could say as well. Uh, his um, He was his original division commander, and eventually he goes on to command the Army of the Potomac, actually. And so both of these guys are kind of known to be, well... Rabble rousers, I guess you could say. Uh, they're hard drinking ladies' men, and they're both politicians at heart. Uh, definitely, Sickles is a politician through and through. Joseph Hooker is a politician at heart, and they both have kind of the same personality. And uh, they are buddies. They go along. Uh, they're friends before the war. They're friends during the war, and uh, we'll find that they're friends after the war as well. Yeah. So to back up just a little bit. In Sickles' life, he, like we said, was from New York. He was wealthy. He studied law. And he was admitted to the bar in 1846. And he was elected as a member of the New York State Assembly in 1847. So he's got a political career going on. In 1852, he marries... Um, his wife, Teresa, and both his family and her family were like, um, no, nope. sicko. <laughs> please, please don't, please don't, please don't. <laughs> and part of the reason we say sicko is because, well, it kind of goes back to well, what year was he born? Right. And he said, I'm 33 years old. I, I look young. Right. Uh-huh. And Teresa, she's like 15 or 16 years old. Yeah, and 
chances are he wasn't actually only 33. He was probably older than that and changed his age in order to make it look better for himself. But she was reported as being sophisticated and, and mature. Uh, also, you know, it's a lot different, I guess you could say, in 1850. Um, 16-year-olds were a little different, and the relationships were a little bit different. But still, it's pretty skeezy, if you ask me. Yeah. So just ask any of our friends with daughters who are 15 <laughs> or 16 years old. Yeah. So in 1853, uh, Sickle becomes the Corporation Council of New York City. And he's doing that for a very short period of time because he was appointed as a secretary for the United States government in London under James Buchanan. So if you remember, James Buchanan was the ambassador over there in the UK. And uh, you can thank President Franklin Pierce. He's like, hey, Sickles, go to the UK. And um, in 1855, he comes back to America and he's elected as a member of the New York State Senate in 1856. So, Jason, this fulfills our commitment to cover other offices besides just the presidency. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Sickles is, you know, he's shaping up to be a pretty good guy. Um, he gets caught escorting a known prostitute around. Uh, so, the New York State Assembly censures him for that. Which, if you're not familiar, censuring is, you're not really in trouble, but it's like a formal slap on the wrist. It's like when you get a... Uh, a write-up in school or at college, but it doesn't actually amount to anything. It's kind of like that, um, but a little more serious because, you know, he's in the New York State Assembly. And, um, well, then, like, a couple years later, not, not a big deal, uh, he just shoots and kills this guy who happens to be the son of Francis Scott Key. You know, you've probably heard his name. And <laughs> Philip uh, Key, who was Francis's son, uh, he thought he was having an affair with his wife. So... He kills him. He, he just, like, shoots him and stuff. No big deal. Yeah, so go figure, you know. Here you have Sickles. <laughs> he takes a young lady named Fanny White to England with him. Uh-huh. Presents her to Queen Victoria, very bold, and is like, eh, it's okay for me to run around, but not my wife. Right. No, no way. No way. So, uh, so Sickles is like, uh, oh, great, I just killed this guy. I, I mean, I killed Francis Scott Key's son. Right. That's not cool. But he does turn himself in. Yeah, and he confesses to the murder, like Jason said, and uh, he goes to jail. And interestingly enough, he's able to get visitors, which in this day isn't like a huge thing. You don't get a lot of visitors. And he gets so many visitors that he actually gets to use the head jailer's apartment to meet and greet with them. And this is not a good thing because uh, there's congressmen, there's senators, there's um, you know other people who are heavily influential in Washington society. James Buchanan, the president at the time, sends him a note and all of this is just like more fodder for the fact that he is should be a politician and not a military man. Yeah, you're going to hear all kinds of names that we've talked about before in the podcast. Uh, you've got uh, some leading politicians who are like Edwin Stanton, who became the Secretary of War and uh, Chief Counsel James T. Brady and... Um, others who are like, you know what, Sickles, he's not bad. And oh, by the way, 
He's affiliated with Tammany Hall. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Aaron Burr. <laughs> <laughs> this is like anger towards Aaron Burr. Like, he's not even on the scene anymore, but yeah, why not? So, you know how people sometimes claim that they had temporary insanity? Oh, yeah. Yeah, as a use for defense. This is the first instance where, where someone pleads temporary insanity, sickles. Yeah, he says, my wife was being um, unfaithful to me. It drove me crazy. I'm sure she was fine with all the times I was unfaithful to her. But, you know, I was just like a temporary lapse of judgment. So I killed the guy. And also I should be in the military. <laughs> yeah. He even got it to where the newspapers were spinning the story into his favor and saying that Sickles was actually a hero, yeah, get this, for, quote, saving all the ladies of Washington from this rogue named Key. Hey, this won't be the last time he's able to spin people in his direction either. Yeah. He's got spit people spinning like a record. <laughs> round, round. Yeah. So, in the 50s, Sickles goes and he gets commissioned to the 12th Regiment of the New York National Guard, and he becomes a major. He, like, thinks he's the best now. Uh, not that he's not honorable for being in the military, <laughs> but he goes to London, and he goes to, um, you know, some ceremonies and stuff like that, and he, like, insists that he has to wear his militia uniform. And, well, there's this little scandal where he, like, accidentally, or maybe on purpose, snubs Queen Victoria. Nice. <laughs> and causes a bit of a, a diplomatic scandal. So, whoops, but he probably meant to do it, if you ask me. Yeah, he's kind of like, for some reason, you know, Forrest Gump comes into my mind. Like, Forrest <laughs> Gump's pretty innocent, right? right. Uh -huh. And he just so happens to fall into these different circumstances in his life. Right. And he has these encounters with famous people and famous <laughs> circumstances. Sickles is like the evil Forrest Gump. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty. Uh, Forrest Gump was based on a modern day interpretation of an innocent Sickles, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> so he becomes a brigadier general of volunteers in September of 1861, and this is kind of a big deal because he's got this reputation of being well. It's kind of polarizing. You, know, you have people who are very much on his side and other people who aren't. And he gets this rank purely from political reasons. It's not because of anything he had done in combat. And I mean, Congress knows that, right? Because in the next march, they're like, no, nah, dude, you got to relinquish your command. Um, we're not going to recognize your commission because we know you're a weird dude. Right. So when he's called on the carpet because of different, uh, because people are questioning his military service and experience, he's missing different battles uh -huh. because he's got to refute the claims. So he misses the um, Peninsula Campaign um, for the Army in 1862. Uh, he misses the Battle of Williamsburg because he's combating accusations. He was absent from the Second Battle of Bull Run because he needed to go recruit new troops in New York. Mm -hmm. So he got out of that. He misses Antietam 
because he needed to protect the capital. So there's all kinds of different things that are happening that makes him avoid really tough situations on the battlefield. <laughs> and like he's avoiding, maybe intentionally, maybe not, all these situations on the battlefield. And then the Battle of Fredericksburg comes around, and he, you know, his his army or his division is uh, in reserve there. And President Lincoln's like, we need to nominate him to major general. I, I don't know why we didn't think of this before. <laughs> <laughs> and so the Senate, you know, they take about six months to uh, actually confirm the promotion, and and the president doesn't actually appoint him until um, March of the following year after he nominated him, but. Um, Sickles is like way up there now. He's he's way up in command, and Hooker uh, that we talked about a minute ago says, "Hey, um, go ahead and take control of the of this whole of this whole core of men. Why not? We'll just go ahead and, and get at it." Sure. And keep in mind that all the other core commanders had a West Point military education, and. Uh, why not? <laughs> Why not allow Sickles to do his thing? He's the only guy who doesn't have the education. And granted, at the time, if you didn't go to West Point, you weren't much of anything if you wanted to be in the military. Yeah. So this really plays out. I don't know if we can say it's because of ignorance or just straight defiance, but uh -huh. he decides that he is going to oppose... General Hooker's orders in Chancellorsville. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And uh, guess what? <laughs> the Union doesn't do very well. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Stonewall Jackson's uh, Corps actually marches around and gets upon the Union flank, and um, it could have been avoided had Sickles listened to um, Hooker's orders. The probably the, the biggest and worst point in his career, or maybe it was the best point, if you want to <laughs> say that, is at, at Gettysburg, here where we are this week. And essentially, General Meade, who uh, Major General Meade, actually, who was the, uh, you know, he's in charge of the Union Army, he tells Sickles to go up on Cemetery Ridge near a little round top and just stay there. Like, just hold it. This is a, a great defensive and even uh, at times offensive position to have. You want the high ground. You want to be able to blast shells into the opponent. And Sickles is like, ah, okay for like now, but how about I just leave and leave this hill untouched and <laughs> unprotected? That seems like a great idea. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and it might seem like, Hindsight is twenty twenty, and in this case, it most definitely is. But, ladies and gentlemen, if you've ever been to Gettysburg and you look at Little Round Top and you see where Sickles should have been and where he actually was, my goodness, yeah, he went to this place that the visibility wasn't nearly as good. Positionally, he was at a disadvantage. He had all the opportunity in the world to be in a position where the Confederacy would have had n no chance, almost no chance of being able to overcome the Union troops. But where Sickles ended up 
really positioned his troops in a, a position of weakness. And, um, and, and not only yeah. his troops. I mean, there were <laughs> there were many other divisions that had to come to help get Sickles out of this mess he had made because he hadn't obeyed General Meade's orders, which were, stay where you are. Yeah. Can you imagine what it would have been like? So Meade is getting all of his corps commanders together, uh-huh. and everybody shows up except Sickles. He's like, um, guys, where, where'd he go? Where is he? <laughs> <laughs> and they find out, oh, oh, there he is. He's down there playing in the rocks. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So the Confederates attack right about the same time that the meeting finishes with Meade and his corps commanders. And General uh, Longstreet from the Confederacy, he was all over them. I mean, they're surrounding the troops. And like Ben said, the the other Union regiments are having to go down and help. So during the attack, Sickles gets wounded. He gets destroyed, basically, by a cannonball. And it just completely decimates his right leg. And so, you know, of course, they carry him off to, uh, to a farmhouse where he gets a tourniquet and everything, and later on they actually um, amputate his leg. And he says, I am going back to Washington, D.C. That's where I am from. That's where I am going. And he says to everybody who's there, hey, guys, did you hear we won a huge victory? We won a, uh, a huge victory up at Gettysburg, and it was all because of me. Yeah. Yeah, he runs this huge campaign against General Meade, saying that he's a man of low character and just really isn't great. He says that Meade had secretly planned to retreat from Gettysburg on the first day of the battle. And he said, yeah, I violated, I, you know, I might have violated some of the orders that Meade gave me. But guess what? It was the correct mood because, hey, it disrupted the Confederate attack. And, um, you know. I'm the hero. And, oh, by the way, while I'm the hero, here's my leg. (laughs) Look at it. Yeah. Yeah, and what I mean by that is he actually had his amputated leg and occasionally would show it off. So uh, after he recovers a little while, what a weird guy. (laughs) After he recovers for a little little while, uh, he, you know, stays in the Army, of course, till the end of the war. And Lieutenant General Ulysses S. Grant, who later, of course, becomes president, says, yeah, I'm not going to let you go back into combat, dude. Um, You've got one leg. And uh, Sickles is mad. He's just angry about it. And uh, so a little while later, he goes on this confidential mission to Columbia and to make sure that, you know, they're they're agreeing and getting along with these uh, uh, treaties that had been set in place previously. And... He becomes a minister to Spain. He <laughs> he still maintains his status as a ladies' man after he killed his uh, wife's adulterer, uh, after he loses a leg, after he basically uh, screws up in Gettysburg. And, like, people still love him. He's just on fire, basically. Yeah, it's weird. Um, Teresa dies in 1867. 
he's over there in Spain, 1871. He marries a, a Spanish um, member of high society over there, and they have two kids. He comes back to New York and serves as the New York State Board of Civil Service Commissioners and then becomes the sheriff of New York County. He gets elected to Congress again, and he becomes the chairman of the New York Monuments Commission. Uh, oh, but Ben, I don't know if this is factual or not, uh -huh. but he was forced out when $27,000 was found <laughs> to have been embezzled. That, that doesn't sound like his character at all. At all. <laughs> well, so there is one good thing about Sickles, uh, at least what, from our perspective. He is instrumental in the fact that Gettysburg is as intact, or I guess you could say, as much of a national monument as it is because he was in um, in legislation at that time and decided that they should buy up some private lands, erect some monuments, put up some fencing, and make the whole town basically a giant memorial, a monument. And so somebody says, well, there's all these statues everywhere. Of everybody. Like, all these famous people, all these generals, all these lieutenants, all these guys who got killed in battle, people who didn't get killed in battle. What about Sickles? He's like the only person I should recognize, and I don't even see his statue anywhere. And Sickles says, The entire battlefield is a memorial to Dan Sickles. <laughs> Man, he wrote the book, How to Be Humble. Yeah, for real. <laughs> and so there's actually a... Uh, uh, a New York Excelsior Brigade monument that he was supposed to be in, and instead there's an eagle. <laughs> so yeah. you can tell the guys who who actually crafted the memorials also were not huge fans. Yeah, so he lives to the ripe old age of 94 years old. He dies in 1914, and uh, I don't know. Uh, Billy Joel comes to mind, only the good die young i guess <laughs> this yeah. is crazy yeah what a strange and interesting life he led there are so many people of course that we could talk about from gettysburg or from any uh military engagements that are great men great soldiers great patriots and yet this guy <laughs> struck our attention just for his oddities yeah hey i'm curious and i'm sure you are too but do you like hearing about some of these guys who were not presidents? And Sickles never did run for president, but certainly he was elected to several positions of national importance. Let us know. Is there anybody that intrigues you that you would like to hear us talk about? Absolutely. And uh, also, don't forget about our brand new audiobook. It's about 17 or 18 minutes long. It's very cheap. It's $3.99 or free if you sign up for a free trial on Audible. It's called The Dueling Letters, and it's about the letters between Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton. It's actually just Jason and I reading the letters with a little bit of uh, uh, wording around those letters to introduce them and everything. And you can get that at electioncollege.com slash dueling letters it's actually on audible and itunes as well if you want to check it out there you already have a membership or whatever uh, just search for the dueling letters if not you can sign up for a free 30-day trial by going to electioncollege.com slash dueling letters and uh, you'll even get that book for free if you sign up for a free trial yeah and of course we enjoy giving this podcast content to you twice a week every week 
We'd love it if you would help us get the word out about the podcast. Why don't you tell one of your friends who might like history about Election College this week. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and give us a star rating and a review. It helps get the word out. And uh, let's face it, we're a small podcast. That's true. And this is how we grow. Absolutely. Thank you all very much for listening, and we will see you next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.